0: Welcome to The Author's Tale, casual conversations with prominent New Zealand authors. Presented by me, Stephanie Fruam. These recordings are done in the author's own home, hence the less than perfect sound quality. This is part five of children's book author and illustrator Gavin Bishop's Tale. If you are tuning in for the first time, I highly recommend listening to our earlier episodes so you can fully appreciate Gavin's journey as a writer and also glean some useful hints and tips for becoming a published children's author or illustrator. In this episode we travel with Gavin as he further recounts his journey uncovering his Maori heritage and the simply amazing woman from his past.
1: But to finish the, the whole story, is, yeah. last year, yeah. 6th of June, yeah. another distant relative contacted me and said, uh, I, just want to, I just wondered if you know about this. I said, what is it? She said, well this photograph of... Iriha um, Petty. this is her, she's pretty stunning
0: oh wow
1: it's all online wow they're all online just look up piti mm. and there are i've found at least eight photographs mm. different photographs of her mm. and seemingly at the time in the 60s 1860s when photography was just quite new yeah uh professional photographers would photograph interesting people yeah didn't attach the name to them would just say maori woman yeah and sell these photographs yes. uh, for it's, people's yes. um About like a French magnet,
0: isn't it? That's what they were. Yeah.
1: Anyway, I got this telephone call this email from this person saying, Do you do you know about this? So on the sixth of June last year at St John's Church, mutu they unveiled a photograph of her yeah. because they believed that she saved the church from being destroyed after the massacre at Rangiophia. rangiopia in 1864 was deliberately attacked and burnt Mm -hmm. down by cameron and his men Mm -hmm.
0: Lieutenant General Duncan Alexander Cameron was commander of the Imperial forces in New Zealand from 1861 to 1865 and having served with distinction in other British wars, he was considered one of the most accomplished officers in the British Army. When he arrived in New Zealand he was hoping to make some progression in the colonial campaign and was disappointed in the lack of progress in the Taranaki War. Eventually he led an invasion of Waikato in 1863 and South Taranaki in 1865, but was criticised for being slow and uninspired. Despite this he had victories in Nukumaru and Tenaio. He left New Zealand in 1865. It is thought that it is Cameron who brought the death of Maori independence.
1: And some of the local Maori around Te Awamutu were so disgusted by it that they decided to burn the church down because the church had become a garrison church for uh. for Cameron's men and a lot of the men who died Cameron's men were buried in the grounds uh. of the of the church seemingly she stepped in and put a rahui on the church because she was a very religious and she was also a friend of bishop selwyns mm.
0: A Rahui is a temporary prohibition or a ban against entering a particular area or conducting an activity. Bishop Selwyn, George Augustus Selwyn, known as Bishop Selwyn, had an MA in Classics from the University of Cambridge. He was ordained as a deacon in 1833 and was consecrated as Bishop of New Zealand in 1841, arriving here in 1842. He became fluent in the Māori language and was a fierce defender of Māori rights and very critical of what he described as settler greed. Unfortunately, he was chaplain in General Cameron's army during the invasion of the Waikato and this damaged his reputation among many Māori. He returned to England in 1868.
1: She put a rahui on the church and stopped them from doing it. Mm. So last year, on the 6th of June... The locals got a photograph, blew it up, slightly different one to that one, got it okayed by you know the Maori king. Mm. Um, he said yes, that's okay. Please go ahead, and they had the special ceremony. They even dug up karakia and waiata from the 1850s that had never been wow. used since, and performed them. And I said, if I'd known that, I would have gone up for it. Yeah. But I didn't know that it no. was going to happen. Yeah. They didn't know I existed. Yeah, no. People there yeah. didn't know I existed. No, I, yeah. So anyway, I wrote to the minister. as a woman. I wrote to her and I said, I've just heard about this. This is That is my great aunt. And I said... What else do you know yeah. about her? And they said, "Well, we don't know very much at all, except that she put a row here hi- on this church." And I said, um, "And the name that you've used is Rehapeti, Tepia. Now, Tepia means Sophia, and Rehapeti is Elizabeth." She said, "I said, do you realise that this woman had a sister called Tepia?" She said, how can you be sure that it's her and not her sister yeah. that did the Rahui? True. She said, well, we don't know. We didn't know there was a sister called Tipaya. Mm-hmm. I said, who else was involved in setting this up? And she said, oh, Bishop David Moxham. I said, do you think he'd mind if I contacted him? She said, I'll ask him, see how he feels about So he's Sir David Moxham, and so she gave me his email address. I contacted him. He was very nice. He was very, very obliging. I said, I'm just interested to know where you got the information from about my great aunt, Erihapiti Tapaya. I said, did you know that she had a sister Tapaya? He says, no, I didn't. I said, well, Petty lived for most of her time at Port Waikato. It's quite a long way from Te Awamutu. For her to have a, a, a relationship connection yeah. to Te mm. is a bit of a stretch. However, she did for some time live in Raglan, yeah. and Raglan is sort of almost in a direct line, but it's over range of Hills and stuff yeah. to Te Awamutu. I said, you don't think it was her sister, do you? He says, oh my goodness, I don't know. We don't know. So anyway, he did a very clever political sort of shuffle. He left the, the photograph there, but he, re, he got them to rewrite the um, little blurb underneath saying there were two sisters called Tepaya and they were both um, very, very staunch Anglican Anglicans, and they both supported this church, and they were instrumental in saving it by putting a rahui on it. So he's brought the other sister in and said that they both say, I don't care now.
0: No. Wow. What a story. Isn't it amazing? It is amazing. It is amazing. And what I'm sitting here thinking to myself is that your discovery of all of your family Hmm. history... Came long after these were being
1: yeah, published. Yeah. And
0: Toreo. Yeah. So clearly you didn't write the Toreo. No, 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 no. That no I was, couldn't do that. No. no. So. I, so I'm thinking this is even more fabulous, because it's like the hand. I know. Was already here, pointing to your work. I know. You know, needing it to be also I done know. in Toreo, because they're done. I mean, this has got. I think nineteen eighty-two. Yes. This bitty bitty that I've got is done in Toreo, nineteen eighty-two, Oxford University Press. But nineteen
1: eighty-two was the English version. The Toreo one would be would be a bit later.
0: Oh, they do not say that. Don't they? No, they do not.
1: No, 82 was the original publication.
0: 1991, the, maybe? Yes. Would that be the yes. Toro? Yes. Ah, because I was thinking, gosh, yes. was this done in 1982 in Toreau? No. And I was thinking, gosh, that was really no, ahead no, of its no. time. No,
1: no, no. it wouldn't be.
0: Ah, okay. So how completely fabulous that you've got these books that you have written. Yeah. In one of your ancestors. Well, that, that's why
1: I wrote um, Hennepo.
0: Yeah,
1: which yeah, I've I mean, got it's here. Just a, it's just a made-up story. Yeah. Uh, and I also wrote... This book, um, this one.
0: Ah, oh, Katarina.
1: Yeah, which is my—that's my granddad and my and my great aunt. This—that's wow. her. That's them in old age in wow, Southland. Wow!
0: What an absolutely fabulous photo. Isn't it good? That is completely fabulous. Yeah. Wow. That's
1: them in Southland when they were very old. Mm. Probably in the eighteen. 18- the 1930s yeah early 1930s
0: katarina is a picture book telling the true story of gavin's great-aunt catherine Mackay, known as katarina and her long and treacherous journey in the early 1860s from waikato to otago to join her scottish husband she loses contact with her northern family until her brother banjo gavin's grandfather suddenly shows up at the time of its publication in 1990 by random house new zealand In both English and Māori, it was described as a New Zealand classic. The photo Gavin describes here is on the back cover of the book. What I'm curious about is, has this led you, because you seem to have a very good grasp of te reo, has this led you to learn the language?
1: Um, I have been learning it off and on for a long, long time, but I'm not as good as I used to be. I've sort of, I've lost a lot. I, I did... I did a course at Poly at uh, Polytech for yeah for, you know, a couple of months yeah um and I have learned from time to time but I haven't kept it up.
0: Well, you've got to use it to, or you lose it, don't you? You do. You and do. that's one of the hard things.
1: And this is the problem with with this is full time job. Yeah, absolutely. These take a huge amount of time. Mm. So. I guard my time very, very carefully. As I'm g- getting older, I realise, yeah. well, how much time have I got? Yeah. How much time have I got left? Yeah. I want to protect it.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And if I had my time over again, I would learn to learn it properly. Um, Russell's, uh, Russell's pretty good. Um, but, you know, it's...
0: But it's yeah. having the, the, um, having the uh, situations to use it, and we're, they're very few and far between. Really, yeah. Um, it's not like we can go into cafes where everyone's going to be speaking today and order our coffee in today and, reo and no. you know what I mean. Like, mm. Which I think would be a wonderful place for us to be at. Yes, and I can see that happening in years to come. I can too. I can totally see that happening, I can see which, it will, happening. which will be fabulous. I think so too. Mm. So I can see it happening. Least, because I am so conscious of the time, and like I guess we could talk on and on But well, so don't worry
1: about my time. If you've got time, you've oh, well, got time. If you have to get, well, I don't care.
0: I've got time. Um, I've got nothing else to do. <sighs> you do you're too busy no
1: no 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 i'm I'm at a stage at the moment where i've (laughs) sent stuff off to a publisher and waiting for them to to review it yeah and then
0: so okay so let's have a wee think then about your um your journey i suppose that's how i kind of like to think of it if you were to turn around and look back on your journey as a writer from that minute that Um, moment that woman in Vicargo said to you hey why don't you give it a crack right up until this point and you think of all the books you've written as little places that you've been Yes. which of the places or the books that stand out to you most as being most significant clearly Biddy Biddy and clearly Mrs McGinty uh, two significant
1: books well, well the, thing, the thing that has driven me the thing that I've always felt totally convinced about and that is writing books about us For our kids that's what's that's what's kept me going yeah that's what i've always wanted to do from time to time i've branched out and i've done things like little rabbit in the sea which is deliberately a book that i hoped Mm. would make it big time in america yeah now for a while there i had a i had an agent in boston and i thought this was going to open up the world for me. I thought this was going to be, this is the new, this was going to be a step out of teaching, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm going to hit the international market, I'm going to sell my books in the millions and it's going to be wonderful. Well, um, I had this publisher, I had this agent in Boston and she was a control freak. Mm no matter what i did it wasn't cute enough it wasn't sickly enough it wasn't funny enough it yeah. was there was always something wrong with yeah. it yeah. and i couldn't i couldn't come up with something that she thought she would then market mm. so um eventually I got another publisher, another agent in New York and she was much the same, I only ever had one book published through her and again it was a book that was international, it it had no flavour of New Zealand mm. at all and I sort of thought that um, I thought that at that particular time what is this, uh, late 80s I thought that was the, the logical step for me to take, mm. I, I published and had done well in New Zealand it was now time. A lot of my books had been published overseas, but in sort of little minor ways like Mr. Fox, mm. um, Mr. McGinley Bazaar those things they had done and Chicken Lickin, Those things had done well uh, in America. And, and a lot of been translated into other languages and stuff like that. But they never really become big. And I thought that by having a, um, an agent in America, that was going to be the answer. Well, it wasn't. So that's... Um, ironically, what has happened in recent years is a lot of my books have been picked up in Asian countries. Mm. <laughs> Teddy Eye, for example, yeah. was published in China. The, the Bruiser books have been published in Taiwan, China, Korea. Mm. I mean, it, a lot of books now that I've, I've published, I think possibly Artur might it might travel internationally. I don't know, mm. but I've, I've got to the stage in my life where I don't care no. anymore. I don't I don't care whether those things mm. whether they sell overseas or not. I think that it's more important. To produce books that our children can read and feel part of. Yeah. Because we certainly didn't have that when I was a child. No. We had very, very few, if any, Mm. books that I read Mm. that reflected our beliefs, our environment, our histories, Mm. our stories.
0: I don't remember any.
1: Well, there were a few. I can remember one reading one, but not not as a child, but as an adult, mm. called something or other, and the tomahawk. Mm. It was a Maori Maori story, and yet even the word tomahawk Tomahawk's not, yeah. sort of sounded like
0: Indian American, Indian
1: American, yeah, yeah. So it may have been written with an international uh, market yeah. in mind. Yeah. So somebody could have written them. oh yeah. i'll call it something like, i can't remember mm. what it's called now. something like that and tom and the talk
0: mm. a real cultural cringe that. there was wasn't there that's right
1: that's was, right. Uh,
0: that's uh, right. Uh, uh, the way we lived and our um, just <clears> our everyday existence didn't wasn't up to scratch it wasn't anything on the British way or the American way or there, so. was, a,
1: there was a terrific exhibition architectural exhibition here many years ago and it was called looking north <laughs> I thought that summed it all up
0: <laughs> didn't it yeah. yeah looking north
1: looking north yeah. that's what we spent our time doing looking north for affirmation
0: don't you don't you think and I think this is what you're saying if you focus on what you're doing is you're focusing on producing work that your children can read can relate to can recognise themselves in if you do that well because all stories are international stories, we're not that different to everyone else in the world so if we do that well then they will do well
1: except I have found that a lot of publishing houses are really conservative.
0: Oh yeah.
1: Really, really conservative. Mm. Especially in America. Yeah. They'll only publish stuff that I mean the number of pub- the number of editors that I've spoken to in America who refer to a story as being real cute just <laughs> oh, think oh my God. But it's a, such
0: a patronizing uh, sort of It's dreadful, isn't yeah, it? Yeah.
1: To think that mm. that's Yeah, that's what you're looking for, something that's real cute. Mm. And the first agent that I had, she was really hot on stories about bunnies and Mm. little baby bears and all that sort of stuff. Mm. And I remember sending her a copy of the house that Jack built, and she said, oh no, we could never publish anything like this, it's just too... Wow. or something
0: well and isn't it funny because that is one book that i think is truly inter- international um yes. and i've got it here somewhere where it's, is it it's oh, really here, it is here i i had actually never read this book before because of course i'm of the generation that you weren't around of course your books no. weren't around when i was learning no. to read or anything no. at the school but funnily enough when my daughter um, saw this lying around, my daughter who's going to be 15 yes. in a few months um, she said, oh she said, that book was pulled out every year at primary school and every year we had to read it and she said um, and there's a, another story written around the edges mm. and she's uh, she's someone who I, is a little bit like you, where she draws all the time, yep. never anywhere without a pencil and a piece of paper yeah. um, and she loved this book, and she, she said that, I think, I think what she loved about it was the fact that you had, you had done something unique. Yeah. The story just wasn't there. Yeah. It was all yeah. over the entire yeah. page. Um, but when I, so when I read this, because I'd never read it before, and what struck me was this is colonisation
1: globally. Yes, colonisation.
0: This is what it is. Yes, and, um, it is. And I loved it. And, and the other thing I, I noticed as well. And um, you know the the times when you've got children who can't read, or if they have a reason why that you need to pull the book apart, you might off, you know, often you'll go through and just look at the pictures, and you might say, oh, count how many, you know, you know, people wearing shirts and trousers are in this, or count how many are wearing the, yeah. the cloth, um, whatever. And then as you go along, of course, they reduce. Yeah. And,
1: yeah,
0: yeah, yeah um and it is
1: and his house gets bigger and bigger
0: his house gets bigger and bigger and, and their
1: world gets smaller, and gets smaller smaller
0: and smaller and um and I thought that was a great picture hidden as it is yeah it's so subtle yeah but not um the whole whaling thing and I that's a whole other story too the whaling, oh, exactly the whaling exactly. history is just incredible yes isn't it um, but, yeah, so tell me, tell me about the, the house that Jack built. What was your thinking behind it? Because I think it's quite a unique book in many
1: ways. Well, um, I was in Boston at the time, and I was desperately trying to get, this is 1992, or it might have been 1996, it doesn't matter, early 90s. Um, I was living, we were living in Boston, I was teaching there for six months, And I was at the same time going to publishing houses in Boston trying to get them to um, take my books on. Mm -hmm. And one woman in the end said to me, why don't you go, in the end she said, look, why don't you make a storyboard for a book that you'd really like to do? And I said well actually i've been thinking of doing this book about the colonization of new zealand using the framework of the house that jack built rhyme she said well go and do it go and do a storyboard
0: yeah wow so here it is oh
1: here's the storyboard here's the storyboard yeah they printed it on the back of it
0: oh wow <laughs> at this point Gavin surprises me completely by removing the dust jacket of his copy of *The House That Jack Built*, and printed on the inside of it is his original storyboard for the book. It is such a clever idea, and provides a wonderful insight into the creative genius of Gavin Bishop, the illustrator. So, is this in every book?
1: Just the ones with the cover. Cu- with, with, with the new This is jacket. the new edition. Yeah, actually, the paper is a bit is not very robust. They sh- should have chosen a better kind of paper. I need for the cover.
0: to buy a copy of this. This is absolutely fabulous.
1: Well that is the dummy that's the storyboard that I did for this woman in Boston and I took it to her and showed her and she said look this is too New Zealand for us. She says, for goodness sake take it home because I was going home like next week, yeah. she said, "Take it home and show it to a publisher there, and they'll be stupid not to take it." Huh. So I took it home. I-, I did that whole thing with it just in an hour or two. It just came tumbling out of my head.
0: Oh, I'm so envious of you being able to do this. Yeah.
1: Well, the ideas were had been fermenting in my head for years mm. for this book, mm. and so when I went to do it, it just all. Came tumbling out like yeah. that. So I showed it to Scholastic and they took it straight away and mm. published it. And it, it was book of the year. Mm. Yeah. Um, and then they foolishly let the thing go out of print. Uh-huh. And then dear old Gecko Press that I... Picked it up. Yeah, they, they contacted me one day and they said, is that still available? I said, I'll just contact Scholastic and see if it's still in print. So I contacted them and they said, no it's not. And I said, okay, that's fine. Thank you. <laughs> so I contacted Gecko and Gecko had the whole book, Gecko had the whole book expanded. Yeah. They got, they made the pages slightly larger yeah. and they gave the page a little bit more space around yes. the outside.
0: Yes, oh, yes, they have definitely, they've given it more, um, more room on the page. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, um, the, the, the size. So they're a bit
1: cramped, that's a bit cramped.
0: Yeah, and they definitely your, um, your outlining story is given more, more space, isn't it? And
1: also mm-hmm. they reset the type. Yeah. So it sits more comfortably and it looks better on yep. the page. Yeah. They revised the whole thing yeah. including giving it a dust jacket and printing the storyboard on the dust jacket.
0: And I think that is, that to me is absolutely fabulous. And so when did they put this, have they? what year did they start redoing this?
1: Wait, wait get me goggles. <laughs> um,
0: I hope you've got this framed somewhere.
1: I actually have it somewhere, somewhere in, in my... Files. Uh, Gecko Press, 2012. They reprinted it. Two years ago. Yeah. They reprinted it. Still in print. I hope so.
0: I hope so too.
1: I hope so. Mm. I don't know whether it may be still. It will be still available with the dust jacket.
0: Because I think this is. This is. From a writer's point of view, it's, um, it's fabulous because we get to see your train of thought. And saying, so, I'm a scriptwriter. Yes. And so I think, and I'm an image. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, you know, yeah,
0: To me, I that's how I think. Yes. But I don't have the skill to draw, I'm absolutely useless. So that's why I'm so envious of you being able to do this to me, because I've storyboard, you know, and even when I'm, I'm <coughs> doing things, I will storyboard.
1: Yes, yes, um,
0: yes. But of course, no one else knows what I've drawn apart from me because they're so bad. But um, so I look and I think that's completely wonderful. And as a writer, you can see your train of thought. You've got your notes down the side.
1: Um, well, you can see that it's pretty rough. I did it. It's probably like a couple of hours work. That's all it that is.
0: Wow. I think it's just That's all absolutely it is. It's just... wonderful. So I would recommend every um, children's writer or wannabe children's writer get themselves a copy. Any writer, actually.
1: Well, frankly. Also, with the new uh, New Zealand history syllabus mm-hmm. being introduced, yeah. this book will have another life
0: absolutely. again. Absolutely.
1: Um yeah. we'll have another we'll have another live. Yeah.
0: We're going to end part five of Gavin's Tale There, but you can find out more about Gavin Bishop's work from his website, GavinBishop.com, or there is a link on our podcast webpage. Thank you for listening to the author's tale. Join me next time when we will conclude our time hearing Gavin Bishop's tale. Make sure you're subscribed to the show so you don't miss an episode and you can do so via the podcast platform ACAST or wherever you choose to listen. The Author's Tale is produced and presented by me, Stephanie Fruin, engineered at Plains FM and made with assistance from the Christchurch City Council and Creative Community Scheme.